to the Friday, September 18th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Back at it again with another podcast. Lots of topics to to talk about today. And I want to get to it very quickly because it has been a great NBA playoff run so far. And lots, like I said, lots of topics. We're going to be talking about the Celtics, Heat Series, of course, the um, LA Lakers, um, Denver Nuggets predictions is on its way. And like all NBA and all rookie teams were released as well. So you're going to get my thoughts on that. So yeah, action-filled episode and I cannot wait to bring it to you guys. But before we get into that, let me do my plugging. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you're watching this on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. And if you're listening to this on the good old podcast networks, Remember to show some love, especially those on the Apple Podcasts. Remember to leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share, of course. So, yeah, thank you guys for all your support. We are approaching 700 followers on Instagram, on Instagram, so thank you guys so much for that. And, yeah, more content coming up, as especially with the NBA Finals just maybe a week or so away. It's going to be really, really interesting, so I'm excited to see that. And, yeah. I, cannot, I think that's about it. So, yeah, we should get right into this podcast. By the way, I might not be doing a podcast on Monday because it's my birthday. So I might, um, I may or may not be doing a podcast because I have my birthday the next day. But we'll have to wait and see. And plus, I'm going to be out of town. So there is that. But, yeah, we got that house cleaning, housekeeping stuff out of the way. Let's get right into the podcast. I'm going to try to keep it more succinct this time because the last few episodes have gone over 40 minutes. So... Yeah, let's get right into this. And the first topic we're going to be discussing is the Heat Celtic series. And this series has gone in a direction that I wasn't really expecting. The Heat are up 2-0 in the series. And they've won two very, very intense games over the Boston Celtics. Um, I obviously talked about Game 1 on Wednesday and the craziness of that. Um, and then they came up with a big win. In game two yesterday, especially being down 17 points in that first half, where it looked like, you know, the Boston Celtics have finally figured it out on the offensive end. And the Heat, their defense came through once again. And like I said in my recap earlier today, they just, they honestly just went off, especially on the defensive end. They, in that third quarter, 37 to 17, like the, um, the Heat outscored them. And they weren't able, and they just didn't look back. I mean... In the fourth quarter, especially, like, what was great about this was they had, you know, the role players stepping up. Duncan Robinson hit six threes. Bam had a really good um, third quarter. I'm not saying he's a role player, but he's kind of on the periphery from um, Drogic and Butler. Um, Hero, over 10 points. Jay Crowder started finally hitting shots in the second half. It was a good all-around team effort. And when it came late, Goran Drogic hit shots when he was called upon. And Jimmy Butler made the key plays in the game to put this game away. Whether it was that steal where he had to save it from going out of bounds by throwing it behind his back. Or just intercepting the inbound and, and dishing it out to Jay Crowder. It was a really good game for the um, Miami Heat. And honestly, I have, wasn't expecting it. Because going into the series, I just thought that the Celtics would do better if the games were close. They have shot creators in Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, and then the occasional Marcus Smart game um, here and there. 
And they honestly have been just dominated in the clutch by the um, Miami Heat. And like like I said, like in the past, the offense, in the recap this morning, the offense of the Celtics just looks stale. They're not getting good shots. And even and I think like Jason Tatum was like hearing the comments from last game because he only attempted 12 shots yesterday. And he didn't look aggressive as being, you know, the Celtics quote-unquote number one guy. And... It it was like this, like I said, the Heat defense obviously um, threw everything in, like just threw a wrench into the plans because they were throwing out the zone where, like honestly, like I don't know how like how these guys just rotate so quickly. Like you you like get to one side of the feet um, of the court, like there's a double team there, and then like you swing it there, and then someone is automatically there. Like, this Heat defense was just smothering. They were like freaking like white on rice on these um, Celtics and. That's why, like, they got him out of their flow. Sure, they had to hit some shots. I mean, do you think Jalen Brown scored 13 points in that fourth quarter? And Kemba was hitting shot after shot to, like, try to, like, actually win them this game. But at the end, you know, this Heat, again, showed more poise. With Jimmy Butler as their leader, I mean, you could just tell the youth of the Celtics really um, show out here. Because Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic, they're, like, the elder statesmen, like, on the floor right now. And they're the ones just absolutely dominating. And there are huge reasons why they are a 2-0 up in the series. Where I thought, you know, the Celtics would win the series in six games. The Heat have full control of this. And it really does look like that they're going to be on their way to their first NBA Finals, you know, since the Heatles days. And the Celtics, I just want to reiterate the point. They're just not getting enough contribution. Like, they're just not getting enough contributions from their stars. Like, their stars are not playing like, like stars. And Kemba Walker, you know, he has struggled the last few games, and he finally had a breakup performance, and they couldn't even take advantage of that. And he didn't even outperform Goran Dragic, who has been a menace in this playoffs. And, you know, the, the, the Heat are the ones making big shots, and honestly, this is just not in the direction I thought it was going to go. You know, kudos to the Heat. They have been playing a really good series. And it got really interesting after yesterday's game, because... Um, it, as reported by, I forgot who it was. I, I, I followed this guy on Twitter, but yeah, it was reported that tensions were flying high in the Celtics locker room. Um, Marcus Smart was um, yelling some profanity in there, and like he had to go into the bathroom to kind of calm himself down. Like it's getting pretty intense in that Celtics locker room, and I mean, they felt like I feel like they felt like they were um, they weren't supposed to be in this position, and. Honestly, like I said, like, you know their offense hasn't been delivering, and that's why they weren't able to to like win any of these two games. And I understand the frustration. Um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker said after the game, like it was much of nothing. Um, we just want to we just want to win, and there's there's passion in our locker room, and the fact that we're o two down, like no one would, will be happy in that situation. So, you know, rightfully so. I think has to do much of nothing. Has I don't think there's like any like beef going on in the locker room or anything i just think they just thought that they would be in a better position and they're not so let's see if the heat the Celtics are gonna be able to bounce back because the heat they're looking like world beaters right now and being 10 and 1 in this playoff run so far is something i would not was not expecting so you know like i said kudos to the heat let's see if they're gonna be able to continue this great run but the Celtics, they're a resilient team as well, and I think that they're going to be able to bounce back. So, good win there for the Heat. And now we're going to be going on to 
the next conference finals um, series in the Lakers and Nuggets, and I'm going to be giving my predictions. Actually, no, no, before that, there was just some stuff I saw on Twitter and on Reddit, and I had to, like, really um, discuss this, because after the Clippers lost in Game 7, obviously, you know, the memes were flying out, you had um, all these um, different sports networks, you know, bashing on them. It's It's been great. It's like, this is, like, peak NBA social media, and it's, it's been absolutely fantastic. But what really pissed me, pissed me off was seeing um, this... You know, Paul George, you know, after every time, you know, something happens with him, he always has to come out with, like, you know, some sort of, like, excuse or something like that. And what it was for Game 7 here was him saying that, oh, this was not a championship bus season for us. Um, we knew that the chemistry, like, really wasn't there. And, you know, um, obviously it sucks that we lost here, but, um, you know, just something along those lines, you know what I mean? But then someone on NBA Reddit digged up, you know, um, a quote from Paul George a few months ago, where he said the exact opposite. He said, he, like, basically that it was a championship or bus season. And it wasn't, like, something, like, you know, in the realm of that. He literally said it was a championship or bus season. And then two months later, he's retracting it. People are calling him pull-out and stuff like that. Like, oh, Paul George, Paul George, Paul George. There, I might have to do, like, my next episode, I might have just have to do, like, a breakdown on just Paul George and, like, whether, like, he is a... Like, like if he should be like be revered as like a top ten player still or near that because it's been a couple playoffs now, man. I mean, and like little to no success has come from it. I mean, in the OKC, they got eliminated twice in the first round. Here on probably the best team he's ever been on. I know you could talk about the Indiana Pacers um, teams as well with you know Hibbert, David West, and all them, but this is the most star-studded team he's been on. And they got eliminated in the second round, so I might have to do you know a whole section on Paul George one day, just talking about like if he should be like revered as still like near top ten player, because man, this guy is getting on my last nerve, bro. Like it's it's been really annoying. Speaking of the Clippers, we still have to talk about one more guy, and it has to do with Doc Rivers because a lot of people have been looking at like um, Doc Rivers' coaching career. Everyone respects him as a coach. He gets. Gets it done in the regular season. But what really surprises me here is that if you just look at um, um the past with Doc Rivers, I mean, he's had the T-Mac Orlando Magic, um, sorry, the Orlando Magic team led by Tracy McGrady, where he won Coach of the Year there. He's had the big three Boston Celtics, the Lob City Clippers, and now this iteration of the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And a lot of people were saying, like, these are some pretty damn talented teams that he's got here. And what does he have to show for it? One NBA championship. Like, I still like look back at those Lob City Clipper days and think that that is one of the most underachieving teams in a sense that they were so, so talented. They had an MVP level Blake Griffin. They had Chris Paul in his prime. Prime DeAndre Jordan. Um, JJ Redick, who was really good. And, like, they... Time after time, they just had some like decent players off their bench, and they weren't able to get out of the second round. And even now, like the Clippers were looked at as the number one team to make it to the NBA Finals, and once again, they have come short. And a lot of people are looking at Doc Rivers because um, earlier this week, the Clippers said that he will be returning as their coach next year, and a lot of people are questioning it because, I mean, at this point, I mean, you you have probably the best team in the league on paper 
obviously we have to point that out. And you still haven't, like, gotten, like, you can't even get him out of the second round. Maybe it's the corporate curse. Maybe that's the thing, that's a thing. But they, he has never gone out of the second round with any of these corporate teams. He's been there for seven years. Like, you gotta, like, put, like, some, like, blame on him. I wouldn't put all the blame on him because you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George scored 24 points in that game seven. And no one really stepped up um, besides Kawhi throughout most of this playoff run. But still, you know, it's it's just a question there because I talked about Budenholzer and how I consider him to be a regular season type coach. And it could almost be the same about Doc Rivers. I mean, like I said, he's won one title. He won it with the Boston Celtics back in 08. And he hasn't been able to get to that point again. And it's been, like, really unfortunate. And you honestly just got to, like, obviously I'm not saying he's a bad coach or anything, but you got to like put him underneath the microscope at some point and... You know, it's it's just one of those things where you you have all this talent. What do you do with it? And he's underachieved. That's it's just plain and simple. That's that's what he has done. He's underachieved. And I'm, I'll give him one more year. I mean, obviously this is like a weird season with everything going on. But still, um, he definitely needs to be put under a microscope, especially if he doesn't get it done next year. But yeah, we got that cover stuff out the way. Let's get into my predictions for this Lakers Nugget series and. This is very interesting because if you want to look at like also like my thoughts on this on like on paper like in writing, go to um, my post yesterday. I put my prediction up, and if you've seen it already, you would have seen I have the Lakers winning this in six. The Denver Nuggets have had an awesome playoff run. They've defied all expectations. First team in NBA history to come back from two um, three-one deficits, and honestly, at this point, they're playing with house money. Um, the Nuggets have been led by Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic throughout this playoff run, and they've been absolutely fantastic. But the Lakers here are a different animal. LeBron James has been to the NBA Finals nine times now, and he, um, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, this is their first time being in the Conference Finals. And this series is going to be very interesting because one of the biggest factors with um, the Nuggets being so good and being able to win um, these playoff series was a surprise factor. And what I mean by that is that they go down 3-1 and, you know, the other team just starts to coast. They think that they have this series in the bag. The Nuggets turn it up and they're able to kind of attack them when they least expect it. And that was a huge reason as to why they were able to win both these games. Jamal Murray has been fantastic. Um, these two series, Nicole Jokic looks unstoppable. Looks like the best center in the league. And they were able to, you know, get these W's with the help, you know, like I said, the surprise factor. They And when going into the series, that's from the Nuggets perspective, they're going to need, you know, not just Jamal Murray and, and Nicole Jokic, you know, carrying them. Because they're going up against LeBron James and Anthony Davis, probably the best duo in the NBA. And they're one of the best defensive teams in the league as well. So it's going to be tough on them. I mean, Nicole Jokic... Um, did not have a problem going up against Montres Harrell. Honestly, he dominated. And now he has to face a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Um, funnily enough, he did dominate against Gobert as well in that Game 7, so maybe like it would be fine. But what the thing is, is that the Lakers are just going to throw bodies at Jokic. I mean, they have Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, and Anthony Davis. And... I think it's going to be kind of tough for Jokic. It'll probably like frustrate him, especially having Anthony Davis on him. And then for Jamal Murray, I mean, 
the Lakers have done a good job, you know, handling Harden, handling Lillard. And Jamal Murray is on, like, a level below them. So I have a feeling that he, they're going to do kind of handle him quite comfortably as well. So where are they going to get their offense? They're going to need it from the guys on the periphery. Gary Harris has had some good games. He's going to need to, you know, be a, like a 12-point-per-game scorer. Paul Millsap, if he gives you 10 points a game, I'll take that. But I think um, I'm going to come keep coming back to this point because I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Michael Porter Jr., this is your chance to shine. Um, he, obviously, he's not getting as many minutes as he has in the seeding games. And that has to do a lot about his defensive effort. But I think with Jokic and Murray being the priority on um, for the Lakers, um, Michael Porter Jr. can use his size, can use his length, and he and he could just, like, honestly, if he... This is his chance to go 20 points a game. Honestly. And I think, like, if he if he can... You can get that type of production from him. Honestly, 16-plus points a game or so. That's going to make a whole difference in this series. And I think that Michael Porter Jr., like I've said in the past, is their, is their X factor here. And he, if he can be able to score on a consistent basis... Obviously, obviously, it's a lot to ask for a first-year player and stuff like that, but this is a chance to shine. I mean, this guy was the number one high school prospect back in the day and was, con- um, was considered a top-five pick. He's shown flashes of it, especially in the um, seeding games, averaging over 20 points a game. So, I mean, we know what's in him. So, let's see if he can be able to you know, take advantage of the situation with you know the pressure being on Murray and Jokic. But the Lakers, you know, this is a completely different um, team than the Clippers in the sense where LeBron has done this before. And sitting there these last six days, LeBron is looking he's like, okay, these uh, the, the Nuggets, um, they've, um, you know, they've caught the Jazz off by surprise. They've caught these Clippers off by surprise. They're not going to catch us, um, catch us, uh, um, <laughs> sorry, they're not going to surprise us. That's what I'm trying to basically say. And they've watched, I mean, LeBron is a is a um, student of the game. He's watching these games, and he's not going to be caught by these Denver Nuggets. And that's why I have the, win- the Lakers winning in six. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like I said, one of the best duos in the league. And, you know, I just don't think anyone on the Nuggets side can defend those two, really. And I think it's going to be a very, very um, interesting series in the sense because, you know, the Nuggets are riding this high wave. Obviously, they um, they have nothing to lose. I mean, no one expected them to be here. And Lakers have everything to lose here. But at the same time, LeBron has been in these situations before. And I think he's just going to lock in, lock up, and try to get um, this series done as fast as possible. The Lakers are still the better team than the Denver Nuggets. Um, they have the better players, especially at the top of the list. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are two of the top five players in this league. And I think that the the Lakers will come out with a victory with the series win and go to the NBA Finals for the first time in 10 years. Um, obviously, you know, the Nuggets, with the way they're playing, it's very unpredictable to see. Um, it's going to be they're just an unpredictable team in general. So if they come and win the series, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I mean, they've done it in the last series. So what makes you think that they can't do it here? Well, I mean, LeBron James is here. Anthony Davis is here. And I just think the Lakers, seeing what the Nuggets have done these last two series, they're going to be prepared, and I think they're going to be able to win this series. But you Nuggets fans, this is exactly what you want. People have been doubting you these last two series. 
And that's a big reason as to what like fuels their motivation. And it's going to be the same thing here. Maybe I'm doing a little bit with reverse psychology. You never know. But I still have the Lakers winning in six. So yeah, those are my predictions for the Western Conference Finals. Remember to leave your thoughts, um, your predictions below. Um, who you think is going to win and, and how many games. Because game one starts tonight and it's going to be very, very interesting. So yeah. You know, whether in my Instagram comments or in this YouTube comment section, just leave your predictions. We're going to move on to the next topic, and now we're going out of the bubble um, to a team that has been eliminated, the Toronto Raptors. And the big news coming out of this week is that they um, signed Nick Nurse to a multi-year extension. Um, he's been the coach of the um, Raptors for the last two years, and the, I mean, the, mo the, the highest win percentage of any Raptors coach in NBA history and he has a championship their first championship in franchise history to show for it so it was an easy decision and as a Raptor fan I'm hoping that Bobby Webster and Messiah Jiri is next but um, I also want to transition this to um, the um, end of season press conference which Messiah held in Toronto and he was talking about you know how the season was he talked about how he would ride with these guys again he's so proud of this team and one of the biggest talking points is um, Fred Van Vliet getting um, his next contract, and he's going to be a main priority for them come this offseason. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet, fantastic player, um, moved into the starting lineup this year. Another great season for him, and now he's an unrestricted free agent, and so he can go anywhere he wants. The Raptors, you know, they can offer him whatever. But it's not like a restricted free agent where they could just match any offer. Fred could, is, is a free agent, a true free agent, where um, he can honestly choose to go wherever he wants. With reports with the Knicks um, about to offer him around the $24 million a year amount, it's gonna um, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny for Fred Van Vliet. And I think he's worth it. I mean, he's shown time and time again that he performs um, at, at a high level on the biggest stage. And I think it's someone that you want, especially with like the continuity with the Raptors, you would want to bring Fred Van Fleet back for sure. And you know, the Raptors, um, the Toronto, the city of Toronto doing their thing before they tried to get the Kawhi and Dine thing going to help Kawhi stay in Toronto. Now the Rap now Toronto has Van Vliet in need. So, you know, Fred, another thing here is like you can get free food at some of these places, so hopefully you stay. And yeah, I just hope that Fred Van Vliet stays as a rap as a Raps fan, and I just think, honestly, he, he is worthy of that $20 million a year moniker, so let's hope that the Raptors can get that deal done. Next thing I want to talk about is the All-NBA teams, and honestly, this is like one of um, the best times of year to look at these um, rosters, because it's been very interesting. So I'm going to run you through it. First team All-NBA, honestly, I got this 5 for 5. I have... Um, we have Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, James Harden of the Rockets, LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, and Anthony Davis of the um, of the Los Angeles Lakers as well. No quarrels, no nothing. Perfect first team. No complaints. Second team. This is where it's going to get a bit of interesting because, yeah, I, I basically guessed um, these five. Except um, one, basically gets aside, except for one. At point guard, at the guard positions, they have C um, Chris Paul of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, Kawhi Leonard of the Los Angeles Clippers, P 
Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors, and Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. And the one person um, I got wrong on this list is Pascal Siakam. And I had him on the third team with Jason Tatum going over him. And I think a lot of people do forget that this is pre-quarantine, like these All-NBA teams. And I've seen a lot of comments saying, oh, where's, you know, Devin Booker? Where's this guy? Where's this guy? And this is pre-quarantine. And with the whole Siakam versus Jason Tatum thing, I still believe that Jason Tatum is the better player. But when it comes to this season, the hype around Pascal Siakam, you know, start from the beginning of the season, carried over to January when he was voted um, um, all Eastern All-Star starter. And with Jason Tatum, I mean, when he got chosen for the All-Star game, people had... Your question saying, oh, did he, I mean, did he even deserve to make the All-Star team or not? Like, did he do enough? Then he went on that, like, 10-game stretch where he was, like, averaging, like, almost 30 points a game. And people finally, like, bought into the fact that he was an All-Star. So, I just think the hype for Jason Tatum came in too late, and that's why he wasn't able to make the second team. But luckily enough, he made the third team. So, along with Jason Tatum, you have Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. Very well-deserved. I'm glad that um, the... NBA writers still remembered like Ben Simmons' impact on the defensive end. You also have Russell Westbrook of the Houston Rockets, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, and Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. I, th- from what I remember, I think I've g- I got um, two out of three. I think two out- two out of five of these right. I know I had Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook um, on my All NBA third team. Looking back at it, I think it was kind of stupid stupid not to put. Um, sorry to put um, Jimmy Butler, not to put Jimmy Butler. I think I had Chris Middleton or something. I mean, he still had a, especially pre-quarantine. He he definitely had a case, but I think Jimmy Butler definitely deserved it for what he has done with the Miami Heat team. Obviously, Jason Tatum. I think he should have made the second team, but understandable why he's on third team. And Rudy Gobert um, of the Utah Jazz making it as well. Some of the snubs people are really um, complaining about. Bradley Beal. Um, First player in NBA history to average over 30 points and over 6 assists and not make an All-NBA team. Um, I know his um, girlfriend or wife was trying to defend him saying um, that he this is blasphemous and whatever. And if you look at the stats, it definitely looks like it does. And, you know, people on Twitter are saying like, look, the Washington Wizards were just not good. And Bradley Beal was horrible on the defensive end. And you can make the argument saying, you know, the... Um, his stats enough should make him go on the All-NBA teams. I mean, sure, he was a bad defender and all that, but he, he had, like, a fantastic season on the offensive end. My only argument to that is that I think, like, as much as this is, like, a kind of an individual thing, success, team success obviously is going to weigh on the mind of these writers. And the Wizards were just not good. They were not good at all. Bottom five team on the defensive end. And although Beal put up these numbers, I mean... These those feel like empty numbers at this point. I mean, the Wizards were not even close to a playoff spot, even though they got invited to the bubble. But you know, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he was on it. But at the same time, I understand why he's not, and that's kind of like where I stand right now in terms of the Bradley Beal thing. Another stuff that people were talking about was Joel Embiid not making it to the third team. Kind of honestly, is like I had him winning MVP this year, so I was completely wrong. He didn't even make an All NBA team. Um. I still would have had him over Rudy Gobert because pre-quarantine, the Jazz did definitely disappoint. Um, in the bubble, they kind of like turned it up more, but I definitely would still have Joel Embiid here. 
Um, obviously, he had an underwhelming season. Like people thought he would be doing a lot better, especially like um, with the way the Celt- the Sixers were constructed in the off season. But it kind of makes sense. I mean, it would be really weird to have two 76ers players um, in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they were kind of, and they were like the six seed. So I guess it kind of makes sense, and I understand why Gobert was there. But yeah, those are the All NBA teams. If you agree or disagree with these teams, leave it out in my comment section. But we didn't just get, you know, the All-NBA teams. We had the All-Rookie teams as well. Um, so, yeah, we have the first and second team. Um, first team, we had John Moran of the Grizzlies, Kendrick Nunn of the Miami Heat, Brandon Clark of the Memphis Grizzlies, Zion Williamson of the Pelicans, and Eric Pascal of the Golden State Warriors. On the second team, we have Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat, Terrence Davis the third from the Toronto Raptors, Kobe White of the um, Chicago Bulls, P.J. Washington of the Charlotte Hornets, and Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards. The only snub I see here is not having R.J. Barrett here, the third overall pick of um, playing for the New York Knicks. Over 14 points a game this season. Um, it's just weird not seeing him on this list. And a lot of people are calling for you know Terrence Davis not being there, um, for being there as well, only averaging 7 points a game. But I think he, I think the reason why they have him there is because of his impact on a very surprising Raptor team. So, kind of makes sense. Like I said, winning isn't kind of the back of these um, writers' minds. And RJ Barrett is basically the equivalent of Bradley Beal for these all rookie teams. I mean, no one's gonna remember those like um, five, ten years down the line. But still, I mean, he kind of deserved it. Whether you want to take out TD, whether you want to take out Kobe White, I don't mind. But I think RJ Barrett should have been there. So. Yeah, um, besides that, I'm good with these all-rookie teams. Um, leave your thoughts below. Any other snubs I missed out on? And, yeah, um, those are the all-NBA and all-rookie teams. Pretty good teams in general. Obviously, I would m- maybe like switch some things here and there, but at the end of the day, these guys are all great players and deserve to be on these teams. And now we're going to reach the end of this podcast, and... Before I go, I do want to do a topic and just kind of do kind of a review of this NBA bubble because um, I was talking with a, a friend of mine, Critical Condition Sports, and we just been talking about kind of um, the play in the bubble and how it's been. And we just got into a little discussion because, you know, before the, um, the bubble started, people were already putting asterisks on the season saying, oh, this season's not going to count, no home court advantage, no nothing. This, this is going to, it might be a... a different brand of basketball and it has been i'm not gonna lie it's been a different brand of basketball but i think it is in a good way like when they came back like we saw so many good games so many good performances and honestly we're not gonna have an opportunity like this where we see players on basically an equal playing field same three gyms that they use this entire bubble um same type of schedule you know playing every other day and there's no travel like this is the most even playing field we're gonna get um, in terms of like an NBA season or just an NBA playoffs. And, you know, obviously there's no fans and all that, so home court advantage doesn't matter. But I think what that shows is like people who can like work in this environment. Like this is the purest form of basketball, like in a sense where like very minimal crowds, obviously it's just their family. It, it really feels like an AAU tournament where literally it's just like your family's watching and just other teams like in the bubble. And like I said, I thought the play was going to be sloppy, and it's been far from that. You've seen great stories throughout this bubble. 
honestly too many to think of. Whether you want to talk about TJ Ward and his um, impact in the bubble, the Suns going undefeated, um, the Jamal Murray, um, Jamal Murray Donovan Mitchell matchup of the first round, the Clippers sticking um, blowing a three one lead. There's just too many things to talk about, and I think this has been probably the most entertaining playoff since 2016. Um, in a general sense. I mean, I'm a Raptor fan. Obviously, I loved the last year's playoff run. But in a general sense, this has been the most entertaining playoffs since 2016. And the play in the bubble has been fantastic. Um, and the players are treating it as such. I mean, obviously, there's some teams that I completely disappointed, like the Milwaukee Bucks, like the Clippers. But this kind of shows that, you know... Basketball in this period's form, I mean, it kind of, like, this even even playing field just makes it so much more entertaining to watch. And that's why you see, you know, the Heat going on this type of run. The Nuggets going on this type of run. And it's been, honestly, just a great season in general. And obviously, five, ten years from now, 2020 is going to be, obviously, associated with COVID. And it's going to be the same thing with this um, NBA season. But, you know, the way that the NBA has handled it, making this bubble... Having their having no COVID cases up till now, which is completely shocking to me, you know, um, and just being able to see top tier basketball, even though it's been super late, it's still being able to see it. It's been a fantastic season, and I honestly believe that this bubble has been a major success. So, kudos to the NBA, kudos to all these teams that made it to the conference finals: the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Miami Heat, and the Boston Celtics. They all worked hard to get here, and I believe that the the right team won. I mean, the teams who are most deserving won this. They were the better teams in their series, and honestly, not too much controversy, which has been absolutely fantastic. And I think this is a good place to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching. Obviously, I have to leave you with this message before the end of this podcast. Great NBA basketball, but there are still changes to be made. The general election is coming up for people in the U.S., um, so get your votes in. Every vote matters. And hopefully we can, um, obviously hopefully COVID goes away, but also attack these social justice issues. Continue to pressure your politicians. Um, continue to uh, pressure those in power to make changes. And hopefully we're going to be able to see some um, significant changes soon in our system because there's lots of problems in our world. And hopefully we can get those resolved. But yeah, I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna end today's podcast. Thank you guys for watching slash listening. Um, Remember to follow our TV on Basketball, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, updates on the podcast and for other content. Thank you guys for your support on YouTube and on the podcast networks as well. Those can be found in the description. Or if you're on, um, seeing this on IG, on Instagram, just um, click the link tree in my bio. But yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to watch this. And I will be back tomorrow with a recap of um, the first game of the Lakers Nuggets, which is happening tonight. But yeah, thank you guys for watching. Hope you all have a blessed day. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow with another recap. But yeah, thank you guys for watching. And I hope you all have a, all have a great one. TV signing out. Peace. <laughs>